So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you may have heard the news that my family and I have moved from central PA all the way across the pond over to Dublin, Ireland. Now, I'm excited to be back in a country I love. I started coaching in Ireland uh, years and years and years ago, and I actually ended up finishing my degree at the University of Limerick. But this this move has come with some uh, some challenges. And one of those is when you make a move of this magnitude, uh, you don't get to bring everything you want. Now, I'm not attached to many of my mural material possessions other than my Ninja cold brew coffee maker, which sadly has not come across the pond with me to Ireland um, after I realized that converting the power would be a pain and remembering that I wouldn't be drinking too much uh, cold brew in Ireland. But my, my wife and I, uh, we're in the basement there about a month ago, going through some boxes and, and throwing things away, selling things online and putting some stuff up for a garage sale. And uh, we came across a very large box of notebooks. Now, every practice, I had a practice plan throughout my entire coaching um, career. And and I had, in this box, had every practice plan of mine. And I had a, a journal, so when I was coaching in, in Ireland, and even at past that, I had a, a notebook for each team I'd have, all right? And I'd put my practice plan in that notebook, and after every practice, I would write a post-practice reflection. And, and one of the amazing things about coaching in Ireland for me was uh, that I got to coach a lot of different teams at the same time. So while seasons uh, there, last longer than in the States, you only practice a few times a week. So I was coaching schools teams, club teams, women's college basketball team, a rec, rec team for women uh, ages 18 to 50. And I even had a stint at the top men's professional league in Ireland. Bottom line, this isn't a small box. It's actually a really, really big box that has come with me everywhere we go. Well, I'm sure you can guess how my wife felt about this box and about this box coming coming back to Ireland with us. So I made the very painful decision to just hold on to a few of those those books, those journals. And one of the journals was obviously my very first uh, youth underage team, uh, under 16s boys basketball team uh, for the Limerick Lakers. And I ended up flipping through that and looking at my very first practice I ever ran and, and looking through some of the other books to see really kind of the, my progression and the way that I structured and ran my practices over the course of my career. And obviously, like, like most of us, my initial way of coaching was built around the way that I was coached. And I couldn't help but laugh at how much my first and early practices were built around me maintaining a controlled environment, one that suited my needs as a coach for uh, and my, my desire as a coach for structure, uh, a structured pr- practice and a clean practice. And sitting there reminiscing about those early practices, I realized how drastic my view of the role of a coach has changed. It's changed from structure clean and the coach uh, as the sole teacher and communicator to now creating a player-centered approach where they enjoy practice, they are engaged, it's, it's full of mistakes, mistakes are encouraged, and the coach is just a facilitator for learning. Instead of that coach who stops practice and tells his players everything they did wrong and they need to fix. Uh, Now I really see the coach stepping in and pausing practice and using questions to help guide players to solutions. And that's what our guest Juan Mendia is on the podcast today to discuss. Juan currently lives in the UK and runs Suda America Coaching. His area of expertise is on forging learning environments. And he's gonna give us some really unique strategies today 
that can help us to build a practice environment that meets the needs of our players and helps us to maximize uh, their learning and development. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive On Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 114, Forging Environments That Maximize Learning with Juan Mendia. Juan, we're excited to have someone with your level of expertise in the podcast. One of the big things that you help coaches do is to forge learning and development environments uh, on, the, on the pitch or on the court. And can you talk a little bit about what uh, a learning and, de- and development environment looks like to you? Um, just kind of the big picture of that. Yeah, we, 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 I tend to work in lots of different environments and, and I think the, the aim is very similar. Um, it's trying to affect those behaviors that are going to enrich that environment. Uh, most cases, the, the adults are in a way in charge of, the, of those environments. So maybe trying to work alongside them, trying to give them some tools um, for them to try to develop uh, all those environments. Um, I'm a massive believer uh, that behavior is affected by, by the environment. Um, I, I tend to use a, a very popular quote, which is when a flower doesn't bloom, you, you fix the environment in which it grows, not the, not the flower. So, so from, from that, that's a great trigger to start having conversations with, with people. Um, and I talk a lot about mistakes and the learning process. Uh, I'm going back to the great Yoda, uh, the greatest teacher, failure is. So um, I think it's going to do with, with, with trying to reach out to people, trying to connect with them, uh, trying to see where we can work. I can give them a hand. Um, and yeah, they're all very different in what they do. They all um, have some similarities in what they're trying to achieve um, and, and trying to work with them to, to give them some coaching tools, to give them some resources, uh, some authors, um, maybe even some some websites and, and, and things where they can go and, and try to in haste, try to forge, try to develop what, what they're currently doing. Um, I know it's a very vague answer, but that's 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 in a nutshell what, what we try to do. So one of the one of the things that I think coaches struggle when it we talked about the rose example and the behaviors. I, th- I think coaches kind of really struggle with let's say effort. Right, the effort is dwindling in a practice. When it comes to creating an environment, so you kind of folks said instead of focusing just on the rows or the player here in the situation, uh, focus on the environment that that which that that player is in. How do you shape the environment? How can a coach start to shape his environment uh, to promote a better, you know, more effort within the practice and the training session within the games? What are some things that you've seen? Uh, and you've helped coaches implement there. I think um, it's actually relating this to your previous question. Uh, I think I think giving challenges out is is a very good tool. Um, so in a way that you're not focusing on the outcome all the time, you're focusing on yourself and the process. And as you said, the effort that is going to hopefully be rewarded 
by attempting those actions or that strategy or whatever that is. Um, so I think starting from little challenges and, and throwing things out. Um, we've been we've been working with with some coaching challenges cards, uh, which I think are, are quite creative and gets people going. And in a way, it relates the the, the amateur, the volunteer coach to some theories like the constraints-led approach or the games for understanding. Um, I think I think having conversations with with the children, with the athletes, actually works out a lot better than just telling people what to do. Um, the conversations don't have to be coach-athlete all the time. It could be among the athletes. It could be with some parents, maybe. Um, th- th- there's lots of things you, you can do. I mean, uh, we've been talking a lot with um, somebody that you've, I'm sure you've come across, Russell Lynch and John Fletcher. We've been talking a lot about posts. Or how how you can post a practice, you can you can post a game, um, and, and and we think, well, I'm a massive believer, but we do, we don't post the game enough, um, and there might be instances where where kids could sort of say, okay, let's just have a moment here to reflect, to understand what's going on, maybe to you're, explain it to somebody else. You're saying to pause the game there. Like, yes. Yes. Sorry. So, yeah. so you got a couple of things there. You talked about coaches' challenges, and then conversations with the athletes, and then you talk about pausing. Let's, 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 let's come back to that pause thing. Like, yeah. what does that look like? Pausing with your team within a, in a training session. Is that possible within a game session to have them pause? What do you What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think some people call it a timeout, um, but it's not a timeout just to go and get a drink. Maybe it's an actual stoppage in the game. For you to go and reflect about what's going on, maybe don't not everybody has to stop with you. Maybe you can just pause a couple of teammates and have a conversation around what's just happened or what's about to happen or what they noticed uh, around the game. Um, I will use with my little ones um, on a Sunday morning, a couple of month, a couple of Sundays a month. I'll go down to the local rugby club um, and, and I coach the little ones so and the sevens. Um, and I will take a remote control with me, an old remote control, um, and just just pretend they're in some sort of um, TV show or movie or whatever. Um, a little bit of their imagination is, is tricking along as well. And then I actually physically have the remote control in my hand so we can pause things, we can rewind. Um, we can give kids replays, which I think is, is a fantastic tool. Um, so, JP, do you want to try that again? Um, yes, no, why? Uh, brilliant. Uh, so JP, you just scored the most fantastic um, uh, three-pointer. Do you want to try that again? If you try this on the other side of the court, then I'll give you five extra points for your team. Okay. Or if you just kick the ball across the pitch um, and you are right-footed, if you want to try this with your left foot, uh, then you'll have some extra points for your team. Or you have an extra superpower or, or, or something will trigger something else. Um and again, I don't think we use those things enough when we're coaching, or at least I don't see it as often as I think the the kids or the athletes could, could benefit from. I'll tell you what, Juan, I use that language with uh, our high school teams, you know, the pause, the rewind, the slow motion in terms of, you know, you mentioned the phrase games for understanding, which I, I love the connotation there, but there are times when, you know, we'll be in live play, we'll pause the action, we'll rewind two passes, Get people back where they were, and then we'll talk about what do we see here? What are your options here? You know, defensively, offensively, where 
we're trying to get them an opportunity to dialogue on their perception, you know, and the decisions that are in front of them. And then we say, okay, let's just play it live from here and see what happens from there. And I think sometimes that intervention in the midst of the mess, you know, or in the, the context when they're trying to make a decision um, can be really valuable. And yet a few times that coaches are willing to, to stop things and recreate in that way. Yeah, nice one. I haven't used this low mo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you. <laughs> well, one of the things that I find really um, beneficial in those that I was actually working with a coach there just yesterday on was the idea of, like Nate, you said, rewind a couple passes back, pausing. And I think a lot of times when we pause there, I think the, co- the, the fear is singling a player out. And so I think one of the benefits that I've seen in those pause moments that I would share is just instead of using that player's name, say it's Nate out there, and say, well, all right, where, what should Nate have done here? It's just what should the offensive player have done here? I think there's some strategies around around that. But I think that's so critical how we pause and how we reflect that you're talking about, Juan, that, that we're doing that. We're creating some really good conversations and some reflection. I didn't mean to interrupt, but just to pile on that language piece too, we'll always use just our, what are our options when the ball is here? What are our options defensively when we're in this situation? And it just creates that idea that, you know, it's not just a decision or we're not just singling a kid out, but all of our actions are intertwined. And and I'm sure one in a lot of the sports you're working with, you know, that one action affects everybody else on the floor. So we just talk about it as ours. Everything is ours. And we use that language, which I think is, is good to bring people together and to sort of depersonalize some of that feedback. But you, one of the other things, you know, there's two other things I really wanted to follow up with you about, Juan, which is the other one was the conversations with athletes. Um, you were, and you were talking about not just coach and player, but like a player-to-player conversations. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by those conversations and, and how, do you, how, do, how those can shape our environment? Yes, so we, we throw around the word feedback all the time. Um, and I think that the aspect of feedback that is probably the most relevant to to the athlete or to the child would be would be the learning part of that process. Um, so I think there's, there could be lots of learning. I don't think we need to assume um, if, if you're a volunteer coach out there or a professional coach out there, uh, whatever environment you're working out, um, you're working with, uh, let's, let's call it 30 kids. I don't think you are the only person there with knowledge. Um, and, and and there's another 30 there that could be teaching each other lots of things all the time. But for some reason, we tend to assume, and it happens in the classroom a lot, um, that there is one person with, with the knowledge and then that person is going to pass it on. I think we can use the, the group of people that are there in, in lots of different ways uh, just to provide each other with feedback. Um, and little mini conversations, one-to-ones work really well. Again, it doesn't have to be athlete coach coach athlete it could be among peers it could be in small groups it could be that you're coaching with another three or four coaches within your setup and all four or five of you have actually got a group of individuals that you're giving feedback to and you are in a way following their their development in, in a little bit more in a, a little bit closer let's call it um, you can have things that I've been trialing this um, freezing, freezing. So freeze, freeze this picture here. Uh, little Johnny, close your eyes. Who's on your right? Who's on your left? Who's behind you? Who's uh, in front of you or whatever? Um, or oh, I'm not quite sure, coach. Okay, well, who can who can help him? Uh, what sort of conversations we should be having in this moment in time? 
Um, so that's I think that's that's a useful tool. The other one that I've been using a lot is trying to coach people whilst the ball um, or whatever it is, the pod, the, whatever you're playing with, it's actually in play rather than stopping training and stopping the game all the time. Um, and maybe it's not coaching, maybe it's just providing feedback from time to time. Um, and then the other one I've been using a lot, uh, and I actually only realised uh, at the beginning of, sorry, at the end of last year, that we spend a lot more time in most of our team sports without the ball than with the ball. Um, and if you look around practices, most of the practices are designed around the ball. So I've been, I've been challenged myself and coaches I work with uh, or alongside with to go and coach off the ball a lot um, and see what sorts of conversations we can have off the ball. Um, and that's an interesting one because we, we tend to say a lot to the, let's call it ball carrier um, or, or the player with the ball. Um, and we don't tend to do a lot of strategy or movement or whatever you want to call it uh, with, with the other players on on the team um and i only realized not 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 long it hasn't been a year since i realized about this and and, it, and it's been a bit of a shock to be honest now one of the last things you said on shaping environment that really stuck with me was coach challenge cards um mm. can you go a little bit more in depth about what what are coach challenge cards so the Magic Academy boys um, have designed these uh, coach challenge cards. Um, we we used to use them in what used to be the, the England age group camps um, all the time. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically it started with uh, player challenges um, and we were posting challenges to the players. So can you do this in X amount of time? Can you do the or can you attempt to do this X amount of times? Uh, could you try to uh, make this happen for a teammate uh, within the first five minutes of the game, and so on and so on and so on? Um, and then actually we started talking about why don't we start having these behaviours around coaching, uh, around coaches? Um, why don't we start challenging coaches uh, within their behaviours, within, within their strategies as well? Um, so yeah, the, the, there's a number of them, um, and, and and it's interesting to have them within your environment and giving them a go. Um, there's, there's there's a number of sections. Uh, there's some of them uh, before training. There's some of them during the game. Uh, there's some of challenges that you can. Basically, try to attempt at any time, yeah, during your meetings, during your week, during your video sessions. Um, there's some cards that talk about after training, uh, and there's loads of cards that talk about during training. Um, so, some of these cards are directly related to the game. Um, again, can you attempt certain action within um, the first three minutes of the game, or, or can you support your teammate in this way? Um, and then from from the coach, then how are you going to drive some behaviors that are gonna they're gonna try to drive you towards where you where you want to go. Um, you can have different challenges around, um, let's say something that okay. So in your next meeting, um, can you make sure every single um, member of the squad actually um, has something to contribute? Okay. Um, however, they don't have to realize you're gonna you're gonna try to do that. Okay. So that's that's your challenge as a coach. Um, another one could be, and this is one of my favorite ones, um, doing some reflection. 
Um, so today I learn dot dot dot. Today I struggle with dot dot dot. Um, today I could be better at dot dot dot. Okay, so you can you can fill in those gaps. Uh, and I one of my favorite ones uh, is around body language uh, during a game. So maybe you can ask um, a member a member of your squad. An spectator, a parent, even uh, another coach, uh, your assistant coach, um, to record your 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 body language uh, or the things you say, uh, or how many different ways of feedback you can give to players during a game. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a number of them. Um, I would obviously try to encourage people to to go and get this. Um, however, I think it's quite effective if you come up with your own because you'll be able to challenge yourself a lot if you know what are your areas that you're trying to develop. Well, that's an awesome activity. I think, you know, one of the values even in doing that and creating the cards, as you said, of coming up with things that are going to work for your own team is just the forethought in how do I draw more information out of my players? You know, what are the questions or the sentence stems or the the situations that I can create in practice that are going to challenge them most appropriately? And even that process of thinking through, I think, can be so valuable, you know, for coaches, whether they make it into the practice plan or not, or they make it onto challenge cards or not. It's such a great exercise to to encourage coaches to think through. And that's it for our conversation with Juan. Uh, one of my biggest takeaways from Juan is just the way the environment that he is proposing is about the coach asking questions, not about providing answers, right? It's, it's one of my core strategies we help coaches to develop, and that is leading with questions both on and off the field or off the court. Uh, the challenge cards are actually something that I have recently just started to incorporate with coaches uh, through my mentorship program as a way to really help them grow within their practices, even their team meetings, their film sessions, uh, improving certain leadership and communication skills. Now, you've got to check out more of Juan's stuff at SudaAmericaCoaching.com. His Twitter is at PseudoAmerica. He runs some amazing coaching conferences in the UK called The Future of Coaching. You should check out his upcoming event in January at the Stanford School. It's got some amazing guys like Mark Bennett, Brian Ashton, Stuart Armstrong, and James Leaf. I'm actually hoping to attend the one earlier in January because the lineup is just so full of so many high-level guys adding so much value in the world of coaching.